Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I'm Kevin Bowen. Joey Molinaro rocking his 107.5, the fan polo across the way. NFL Combine starting next week. I, I got a little bit more of a pep in my step this Same. week, man. Same. Yep. You know, I, I feel like it, it's starting. It, it's it's coming. Um, you know, we're still going to have a lot of bullshit to sift through over the next few weeks, but teams got to show their cards. And mm-hmm. I can't wait for it all. I, Combine's always one of my favorite events each year. And this year, it's in prime time. Yeah, peop- I always hate how people, I don't know if it's like, you want to call it a hot take or what it is about how people, oh, the Combine, you know, it's just underwear Olympics. It's like, you know what? I think it's fun. I think it's entertaining. It's great. That's, that's so, old, you know, crusty media yeah, talk. come there. on. Just have fun with it. The Combine is fun. Uh, not only do I find it really informative uh, from a media standpoint, because Virtually every coach and GM that's not an not an ass talks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Uh, you have 337 prospects that all talk and all test out on field, and of course, some of them will have injury issues that will limit them in the on field stuff. But it, it's a one stop shop in so many different ways. And in all honesty, it's a vital week for NFL people. Like this is a key job interview for them with these. With these prospects, so um, it, it's a pressure-packed week. I, I feel just so happy, honestly, for our city that that we continue to hold it. Yeah. Um, Mike Chapel had an article up on um, CBS Four with Jeff Foster, who's the head of NFL Scouting Inc., which runs the combine. No connection to the former Pacer. Correct. No, <laughs> uh, former star Pacer. Um, yes, fan favorite. Fan favorite for sure. My my good buddy Nick Gone is um, to say he's upset. I would say if you're going to go Kevin Bowen, semicolon Tiger Woods, go Nick Gone, semicolon Jeff Foster. Just like purely obsessed Perfect. with Feisty Foster. Um, different guys, but still equally as important to the city. One could make that argument. <laughs> um, Chapel's article said I think eight million in uh, economic impact to the city. Wow. And the combine, I believe, will be here. He claimed, and this is Foster, I think feels pretty good about it staying in Indy through 2022. Um, At least. Right? Correct, Two. correct, yeah. And we'll see how the primetime aspect impacts things. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, from 4 p.m. to, I want to say, 11 uh, it will be on NFL Network, and then Sunday it's a little bit more of kind of your late afternoon into evening time slot. You know, in all honesty, I don't watch a whole lot of the on-field drills. I certainly look at the testing numbers because I know how much Chris Ballard uh, means w- with that. I-, I do enjoy when there is a bit more of a competitive spirit to some of the drills, and I think they're trying to trying to find a way to kind of tap into uh, more of that. Uh, but we'll we'll hear from Chris Ballard. I want to say he is on Tuesday morning, and Frank Reich is Tuesday afternoon next week. So look for our next podcast probably Wednesday. We'll probably come back a week from today. We are cool. recording this on, on Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, 
maybe an Anthony Costanzo update or two, and we'll see uh, the other kind of news items that that typically comes out of this week. Because this time last year, Joey, Adam Vinatieri and Mark Glowinski had already re-signed with the team. Mm -hmm. So this is where you start to get the whole re-signings of your own free agents start to trickle out. And, you know, the league can say, oh, tampering doesn't begin until March 16th. That's bullshit. Tampering begins... (laughs) In Indianapolis. Next week. Yes, yeah, this week. And honestly, it probably started in Mobile earlier this year at sure. the Senior Bowl. But it will ramp up um, this week. And what we need to focus on, while we can't sit in the room with the Colts in the interview process, the testing numbers will tell us a good amount. Mm-hmm. That will help us create a profile. And as we get into late March and early April, that's when I will try to kind of give you I don't know, a half dozen prospects at each position that I think fit the sort of trends we've seen Chris Ballard um, attack with his draft picks in recent years. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited for the combine. You can bet on the combine as well for the crazy people Dang, out there. really? Yeah. Okay. 40 times? Yeah, 40 times. Fastest 40 time. Over, under? 4.29. 4.29. Joey Molinaro. Are you serious? Who is not a huge gambler. Let's go. Look at him right there. Awesome. Okay, I- I'm going to keep this going. Okay, okay, okay. Highest vertical. 40 and a half. Mm, you're underestimating these athletes. 43 and a half. Dang. Okay. Wow. Most bench press reps. I believe that's 225 on the bench. Most Bench press reps, 29 and a half. Oh, wow. You're really underestimating. 38 and a half. Jeez. You know, you always got got a big old Quentin Nelson out there. A Utah defensive lineman that'll get 42 or something. Uh, Will anyone break John Ross's record, 4.22? Yes, plus 500. No, minus 1,000. I think there's some talks that Jerry Judy is going to try to accomplish that feat. Or uh, Ruggs. Oh, Ruggs, yeah, yeah, that's it. The other yeah. Alabama. His over-under is 4.38. Joe Burrow, 4.81. I thought he's a little faster than that. Yeah, he's, we're probably going to hear it. If Mike Mayock was doing the combine, we definitely hear it. He's he, you know, he's more quick than fast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> please, please, Daniel Jeremiah, do not go there for us. Uh, and then lastly, Chase Young at 4.65. You know, he's more of a short shuttle kind of guy. We're looking at the ten yard split there. <laughs> <laughs> you love that, didn't you? Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was great. So yes, for uh, our degenerates out there, we we love you. You can bet on the combine. Awesome. All right, so got the combine preview. Let's look at now that we're about a month away from free agency, the draft yeah. coming in here soon too. KB, let's look at the four main positions of need for the Colts this off season. Yeah, and this will be the meat of the podcast before we get into Twitter questions. Four most important positions that I think the Colts need to address here in the next month or two and how I would address each of them. Um, We are less than away from free agency. Month. March 18th. Let's go. Love it. I love it. All right, quarterback. Yeah, of course. Number one. We're going one to four here. Correct? I've yes, yeah. yeah. And I, I've mentioned I, I'm team draft, but I think we need to acknowledge the free agent names that are out there. We saw yesterday Drew Brees announced he's coming back for a twentieth season, mm-hmm. um, which I think is smart by him and smart by the Saints to uh you know, kind of ride this out. I think Brees is still playing at a really high level. It is crazy the amount of quarterback 
resume that you have in free agency potentially this year. Brady, Bridgewater, Mariota, Cam Newton potentially as a as a trade. Yep. Dak Prescott, Philip Rivers, Tannehill. You have to trade for Cam Newton. I think so. Maybe maybe I need, maybe I need to double check that. Um. Yeah, everybody just assuming that that's. But like, you also have these, you know. Oh, what about Derek Carr? What about Matthew Stafford? Um, you know, you have these trade. Cam is under contract for one more year, so yeah, he he's under okay. contract through twenty twenty. He's unrestricted in twenty twenty one. Um, I I don't know. I feel like this is unlike any offseason that we've ever seen at quarterback. Oh yeah. And again, I don't look at these and I'm like. Oh wow, that fits the Colts. That, but no, I don't. But again, who's going to take a chance on Mariota? Who's going to take a chance on Jameis? I mean, that's the number one and two overall pick from you know a yeah, handful of drafts ago. ago. So um, that domino, while I I don't think the Colts should address quarterback via free agency, don't ignore it. It will impact significantly how the Colts handle their own process at quarterback. Um, as I look towards the draft, I have said it time and time again. I feel like if you have the opportunity to draft a quarterback that you feel like can go on the side of your building, can be your long-term answer, can be not only a cornerstone of this offense, certainly, but does your quarterback give you wiggle room elsewhere? Is your quarterback that high of a talent that they can mask and cover up some things that inevitably happen over the course of a 16-game season. Whether you just flat out aren't good at those positions, or maybe you have some injuries that start to pile up. So where I don't think we we, we look at Kansas City and look at their running back group, their offensive line, their defensive line, their linebackers, or their DBs and sit here and say, wow, that's a top three group. That's mm-hmm. a top five group. Is there individual talent that is elite? Yes. Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Right. You know, that group uh, of kind of high-level guys. But I don't think you look at certain positions and be like, man, across the board in four or five different spots, they're, you know, top three or four in the NFL. So that's what I am trying to find in that quarterback because – Shit, they touch the ball at, at, at every single play. And, and I think what we're sh- starting to see more of, I know there's a stat out there that I don't think a team has won a Super Bowl with like a top 10 paid player, like their quarterback making top 10 money in the NFL. Um, you know, Brady's always taken a little bit less when, when, uh, when New England's won their Super Bowls recently. Then you have rookie contract quarterbacks, whether it was Russell Wilson Patrick Mahomes, you know, even last year with, with with the Rams making it with Jared Goff, um, you know, Carson Wentz on the rookie deal when Philly made their run, and then obviously Nick Foles capping that. So it just seems to be that the, these rookie contract quarterbacks offers you the best chance at really building around that um, around that entire roster. Um, and I think something that I, I've started to mention here recently. I think it's time to play to your head coach's strengths. Your head coach has got a quarterback background that is, you know, right up there with any other in the NFL. I think you've got to give him a type of talent that has traits that maybe Frank Wright can't develop, 
Um, but also it taps into one of his best attributes as a coach in general, not necessarily as a head coach. Just he is known, whether it was with Rivers or with Wentz and Foles or even Andrew Luck having a career year in many categories in 2018, let Frank Reich develop. Let him um, you know, try to mold the most important position in all of sports into being a really, really high-level player for you. So, again, I am not very team-free agency. Bridgewater, uh, sure, I guess. Um, you know, if you're making a trade, Derek Carr or Matthew Stafford, I guess. But, again, I don't. I just don't love that. Um, I'm trying to go for the highest ceiling, and that's where I think the draft offers that. Uh, dr- round one would be the route that I would probably go, but certainly before Saturday arrives. And, uh, yeah. It's time. I, I think it's time for the Colts to finally tap into that. To compliment that new quarterback that you'd like them to get would be some more help at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I sound like a broken record probably here. Um, this is certainly what we talked about last year. Yeah. And we'll talk about it again this year. And I, while I want the same resources committed, Joey, I don't necessarily want the same skill set. So last year the Colts spent $10 million in frenzy. For a wideout. Mm-hmm. That's significant. That's notable. They then came back in the draft and spent a second-round pick. And remember, we, we had looked up a lot of past Chris Ballard drafts. He wasn't part of many drafts where they had taken a receiver that high. I want to say Alshon Jeffrey in Chicago was the only wideout that had been higher than, I would say, third round. Um, his days in Kansas City, obviously, thrown, thrown into that as well in his first two drafts with, with the Colts. So... I think he realized last year how important it was to spend at the receiver position. And I think that's only gone up in my mind. And and when I say spend, I mean free agency and a draft pick. Yep. I've been looking up some numbers on Hilton, Joey. And we know T.Y. turned 30 last year, um, suffered the injuries, only played in 10 games. In the 10 games he played... On pace for 800 yards. Is that all on him? No. But I think it's a number that we need to look at. In the last three years in the NFL, and since you're hot, I might I might throw this throw this question at you, okay? I'm ready. Last three years in the NFL. How many times do you think an age thirty wideout or older has been over a thousand yards? He's got three years, mm-hmm. age 30 or older. Mm-hmm. How many times? I'm going to go once, and I'm going to go Larry Fitzgerald, final answer. Mm. Mm. Fitz is one of them. Um, one of them is your former guy. Uh, we, don't wanna, we don't have to talk about him. I can't ignore him. We don't have to talk about him. He's, he's, he's no longer a part of this. It's happened four times. Damn. Julio. 30. I, why Julio Jones just always – I feel like he's stuck at 26 years old. He's Just because he's amazing. He's two years in the league, and he's still making catches that are just absurd. Somehow he's at 30. Right. Julio, A.B. did it, I think, three years ago with Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> Fitz and Julian Edelman. Now, look at those four guys. A, B, let's throw them out the window because we've already talked about them yep. enough. I don't want to put you in a, in a worse mood. Thank you. 
Larry Fitzgerald and Julian Edelman, possession receivers. Different body types, but possession wideouts. Julio is a freak of nature. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think Hilton fits into those categories. He's not the possession guy. Well, I, I love T.Y. Hilton. I don't want sure. this to come off as sure. like I'm bad-mouthing T.Y. Hilton. I think he's a stud. But he's not Julio Jones, and his game is not Fitzgerald and Edelman. Last year, he was a bit more of a possession receiver, and it just didn't even come out to be in that 1,000-yard season if he would have stayed healthy. And again, I know there were some other factors that played into that, but what I'm getting at is, in the last three years in the NFL, we've only seen 4,000-yard seasons. That, to me, is a small, small number. Weird. I, yeah. I, I would not have guessed that. I don't know who I would have assumed you know, would have had 1,000-yard wideouts, but to me, it's not like running back. I, I don't look at receiver and be like, oh, my God, you're 30 years you can old. Get wherever. And, yeah. Ugh, like, there are still some 30-year-old wideouts that produce. I mean, Reggie Wayne produced at a really high level for several years into his 30s. So... What I'm getting at is the need at receiver has only grown for me. It has only grown, and it's a byproduct of the failure you got out of that position group last year and that the fact that T.Y. Hilton is another year older. And we heard Chris Ballard, and we talked about it on last week's podcast, just go get me a guy that can get the football, put it in his hands, and score. Yep. And, and that's where I get back to the skill set, Joey. Last year, I wanted big body, I wanted speed, and I wanted that together. And and Funchess accomplished one, and Campbell seemingly accomplished the other aspect of it. I, I I'm not like sold on like go got to be six four two two twenty you find, and then you got to come back and you got to find four three. No, I don't necessarily say that. I don't care what they look like. Just give your quarterback, whoever that is, a playmaker after the catch. The Colts ranked. 26 last year in the league in yards after catch. Not going to cut it. That's supposed to be a Frank Reich strength. Yep. You know, crossing routes and getting guys in in open space, and I just don't think that is a skill set. So I want $10 million in free agency. I know it's a weak group, but but find a guy. Find a guy, um, and then I I think another top, uh, top 50 draft pick. Chris Ballard loves him some help. He loves him some picks, and he loves him some help up front. Whether it be on the D-line, the offensive line, but let's start with the D-line, KB. Still got to get more pieces there. Still got to. And, Joey, the good news, I think free agency offers you some answers, and we don't always say that. It offers you answers, I don't think, in, like, the Justin Houston two-year answer. Mm -hmm. I think it offers you answers potentially in the four- or five-year market, which, again, it's rare. Take advantage of it. What I think Ballard will really like about this free agency group on the defensive line is the multiple tiers. We know about, you know, Ngakwe and Jones and Clowney and uh, whoever else that I'm missing. But you also know of, like, Derek Wolf. Um, God, I almost said Malik Beasley, who plays for the Nuggets. Uh, I think it's Malik Collins, maybe. Um Shelby uh, Shelby Harris. I mean, there are other DJ Reader. I mean, there are other tiers that we know Ballard has tapped into. Danico Autry probably being atop that list, you know, projecting a guy forward into your own sort of position group, expanding his role. So I think free agency for defensive line needs to be used. I want to go after the high-end guys because I think there are some 25 to 27-year-olds that can still play really high-level football for you. Uh, and I think Ballard might align in this thinking. 
I think he might feel because we know what he feels about the defensive line group. You just talked about that. Yep. Um, so it, honestly, similar to Whiteout, wouldn't shock me. And I and I say that not only with free agency, but also in the draft. Now, if you don't go draft, which I don't stand on a table as much as I stand on a table for Whiteout. That better better mean you are developing Ture, Ben Banigou, and Taekwon Lewis. That is an absolute must. Those three guys. Um, investments. That investments. They are investments. They are rich investments. You spent second-round picks on those guys. Those are valuable assets, especially for Chris Ballard when he treats picks like gold. So um, I trust Ballard to go ahead and attack this group. The Super Bowl showed it. The Super Bowl showed it full well what those group, what that position means. Um, it's a, you have an older group on your defensive line right now. Sheard, Hunt, um, Houston, Autry, uh, they're right around that age 30. Bolster that group with a little bit younger talent. Let's finish with the biggest domino probably facing the Colts this offseason at offensive tackle. Anthony Costanzo, is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? That's a, that's a big question in yeah, this offseason. And, Joey, let's go conspiracy theory, which I know you, you, you love yeah, before sure. we get into this. And just hear me out. We're recording this on February 19th. The Colts season has been over for a month and a half. If Costanzo was going to retire, wouldn't we have heard something? What is he waiting for? He's a guy that loves to work out early in the offseason. You know? And then the other part of me says, okay, if he's coming back, he's told the Colts that he's coming back. Or he's told the Colts, I think I'm going to come back. Why don't you go meet with Tom Condon during the combine and and figure out the whole negotiations and kind of where Mm -hmm. things sit? We saw DJ Humphreys, 26 years old, signed with the Cardinals earlier this week. He probably was the closest thing to a somewhat long-term answer you could find at left tackle in free agency this year. So it's not like the Colts would say, hey, everybody, Anthony Costanzo just told us he's coming back. Now we have to figure out what the contract looks like. No, no, no. They're going to, like, want to get a contract done with him before they would announce something publicly. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Or should I just be like, hey, don't read too much into it. It's Anthony Costanzo. He's... He's an interesting individual. He might retire tomorrow. I lean more towards that. Really? From what you've said and what I've heard about Anthony Costanzo, God, he's I thought, similar I thought, to an I Andrew thought Luck. I was onto something. Know. I know, but I can hear you out. I hear you out with that scenario. But at the same All right. time, All right. yeah. I mean, I, trust me. I don't feel great about my my thought process, but I felt like I was trying to get some context clues to go in there. Sure. And again. Maybe I, like I, a sixty, like a seventy thirty there. Like I, I see where you're coming from, seventy percent and thirty percent. Thank you. I I, I needed that. Um, ah, James Hinchcliffe got a ride for uh, Andretti. That's three, pretty big. Three three races. Yeah. Um, that that's good. I I like Hinch. Okay. Um, let's divide it up into two areas then, Joey. If Casanzo does retire, how do you attack it? I think the only way to solve the long-term need is with a top 40 pick. But I, yeah, but, but I also sit here and think to myself, he might not be, be able to get that this year. Now, if he retires, I really think that you got to look into it. But 
again, I also acknowledge that, like, you know, what if you trade up for a quarterback? Then you're losing some resources. Do you go in free agency and do you get a stopgap? Now, there's not crystal clear answers in free agency, but, like, do you think Jason Peters has one more year left in him? Which I know sounds outrageous at his age, but he still played at a pretty high level. Like, is there someone out there that you feel like can get you through a year and then you would still need to double back and draft a tackle relatively high. So, of course, every time I say that, I'm like, oh, I don't love bandaging that because then you're having to help out every single week on game day, and that just loses some of your offensive skill that you can you know, deploy out on routes and things like that. So, um, if he doesn't retire, Joey, I still am drafting a tackle in the first four rounds. I still am. Cover your backside. Cover that ass. Cover it. You can't trust Have him. Have to. Yeah. You can't. I, and I, I know it sounds bad, and I like Anthony Casanzo, but this, when guys start thinking about retirement, they're thinking about retirement, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I don't. Even if you give him a three or four year deal, I just don't know how you can sit there and. It's not only cover your backside in like the fact that Costanzo could abruptly retire. Braden Smith could get hurt. AC could get hurt. You need to cover your backside with that to create some depth as well. So, again, last week we looked at prospective free agents. This week I wanted to look at the four most important positions that I consider needs for the Colts this offseason. We ranked the positions of need, I think, earlier. Uh, on prior podcasts, if you missed that, there's an article up on 107.5 The Fan that uh, dives dives deeper into it. But, um, yeah, j- just wanted to overview these four positions, free agency draft, how I think the Colts should attack. All right, let's hop into Twitter questions. Let's go. Let's start with Queese. Do big free agents even want to come to Indianapolis with no established quarterback in place? Wow, I, uh, I think that's a very fair question. Um you know, I kind of always laugh back in the day at everyone being like, oh, Ryan Grigson, Chuck Pagano, the ultimate closers in free agency. <laughs> Andrew Luck, the ultimate closer. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, why do NBA guys want to team up? Why do, why do free agents, why do they want to come to Indianapolis in 2013 and 2015? And, you know, even last year. I don't think Devin Funch has made it pretty clear. Eric Ebron made it pretty clear why they wanted to come. Uh, they They believed in Andrew Luck. So... I do think it is a fair question. You know, Indy doesn't have, you know, I think Frank Wright and Chris Ballard are pretty well-respected. I think in general, the team is pretty well-respected around the league. But again, when you're talking about tiebreakers, that quarterback can be the difference. And the Colts no longer have that sort of dangling recruiting ship. From Matt, hey, Kevin, another question for the pod. Would there be any rotation of players on the line if Costanza retires, or would Glow and Braden Smith stay at their spots? Second, could you equate the Astros cheating scandal to a uh, what similar situation in football would be like, perhaps like a Spygate or something? Well, certainly, I, I don't think there's anyone on the offensive line that can make the move to left tackle. Braden Smith played a little bit of right guard in, in college. Um, and Mark Lewinsky, I no, no. That you gotta you gotta go outside. I mean, honestly, some of your backups, Raven Clark and, and Joe Haig, would be more of guys that have actually taken snaps at left tackle. Plus, I'm not in the in the mindset of all of a sudden now you're, you know, potentially downgrading in two positions on your line. I don't love that either. 
compare the controversy of the Astros to something in the NFL. Um, I guess Spygate, but, like, you got to have player involvement. So it would need to be it need to be in game I mean what filming filming signals from the sideline and then you come to the sideline or you know people are holding up certain things on the sideline to know what the other team is doing yeah would that be it yeah yeah it just seems really complicated in the NFL major league baseball is at a much slower pace to be able to get something done like that um but yeah i think that would be the closest thing in the NFL but it's a lot of individual players you know it's guys going up to their own at bat they're all by themselves out there in the mm-hmm. NFL you don't really have that from Cray hey Kevin what would be your ideal draft scenario D-line and free agency QB in first round wide receiver early second round or other boy that that sounds pretty good to me um yeah quarterback receiver you know double back in the second round and probably take another trench player um you know I don't look too far past tight end, maybe even corner. Tight end, especially tight end, could be something that you cross off in uh, in in free agency. So, um, but yeah, I I do like that D line free agency quarterback receiver, and then that the other second round pick and the third round, you know, get a get another trench player too. From Drew, the Colts will the Colts try to vent their players now if they are quote built different like Luck or if they love the game. I guess what I'm asking is if Luck's retirement will have an effect on how they scout and interview players. You know, I, I think not only Luck's retirement, Joey, but just in general, some of the early retirements that sure. we've seen. Yeah. Now, th- it's a very difficult process. I, I don't know how you – because I think guys' minds change. 21, 22-year-old is a lot different than 26-year-old, and you've made the X amount of money you, the, that you've made, and you're talking with more professional football players. You know, I think when you're in college – to some degree, you're just still playing football because you absolutely love it and, like, it's what you've been known to do your whole life and maybe it got you to college. Maybe that's why you're doing it. And you and you just love being around your buddies. You get the NFL, it's more of a professional mindset. And what I'm getting at is I think there's some smarter thinkers around you that do look a little bit more into the – health ramifications and things like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you got to vet prospects a little bit differently, but again, I don't have a great answer on exactly how you go about that. From Romulus, what are the chances Ballard and his scouts find some Juco quarterback, fall in love, and draft him in like the fourth round? Let him sit at Reich's elbow for a year and study up? Would that be giving up on this season? Um, Juco. I don't know if that's a term I'd use. Um... Yeah, I think it's very possible, though, that the Colts find a lesser-known quarterback or whatever, not the top five or six quarterbacks, and do let you know Frank Reich try to try to tap into and and develop that. Would that be giving up on the season? I'd have to see how the rest of the offseason plays out. You know, what other moves that you make. Um, but I I don't think. I mean, honestly, I don't. I don't know how much the Colts can do that all of a sudden I'd sit here in four months and be like, that's a Super Bowl team. You know, it's, it's just it's kind of a tough, tough spot to be in. It's not like San Francisco last year where it's like, oh, your quarterback that you think has potential is coming off a torn ACL, and you also have the number one overall pick. Colts don't have that. So, um, 
But seeing the Colts go like fourth round, fifth round quarterback and let that guy develop, it's not the craziest thought. And I'm speaking more of from the Colts side of thinking um, versus what I would do. Here's one for you from John. Can you compare the skill sets and comparisons between Chad Kelly and the prospect Jordan Love? To me, both feel very similar, and we already have Chad Kelly on the team to develop. I'm very pro-Kelly and predict him as our 2020 starter. Well, I think Love has more of a unique arm. Uh, Kelly throws the ball in a really interesting way. There is some zip on it. I, I don't love his throwing motion, but it certainly gets the job done. Um, I'd say athletically, they're both pretty similar. Love did not really run a whole lot at Utah State, and we saw Kelly scamper a bit. But I would say just the amount of throws and the types of throws Love can make, that's what separates him versus Kelly. Like, Chad Kelly was still, was he the, I think he was a seventh-round pick? Yep. I mean, like, if he was really, really talented, he wouldn't have gone the seventh round. People were not that scared. I mean, it's you know, it's not like he killed someone. Um, so, I would say again, loves ability to just make some beautiful, beautiful throws all over the field on a more consistent basis. I think that's what separates the two. From Mitch, what would a trade for Darius Slay look like? Ooh. Well, you know, as much as I, I think Slay's a damn good player. We have to keep on coming back to Joe or Joe. I you Joe. I'm sorry. That was weird. Yeah, I've never <laughs> called you Joe. Is that just because you've been hosting in the morning a little bit? Yeah, or? that's a good excuse that I wish I would have said right away. Um, will you ever go by Joe? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Your dad is Joe, for those mm-hmm. that don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I apologize. And Mr. Molinaro, I apologize to you as well if you're it's listening. Right. Um all right, what was the question again? Darius Slay. Uh, yes, what would a trade for him look like? Joey, um, <laughs> what do we always hear with Ballard? They assign value to how that player fits into their scheme. Darius Slay is known as one of the best man-to-man cover corners in the league. My initial thinking is the Colts' value for him won't be as high as other man coverage defenses will price him at. That's why I don't think the Colts would pursue him to the degree that other teams. Now, if the Colts are open to playing a lot more man, okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the sun's still rising from the east. Like, it's not like the Colts are all of a sudden going to totally change things as much as I, I think people, including myself, would like to see them alter some stuff. So, I, I, I don't know, middle, third-ish round. But I have a feeling there's going to be a team that would like to get him out a little – more of a hey, we're playing man eighty percent of the time, sixty yeah. percent, whatever. Seems like one of the move. That's like a move that a team that's right there would yeah. make. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we saw obviously what the Rams were trying to do with Jalen Ramsey. Seems like one of those sorts of moves with Darius Slay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, from Alex. Reich has been praised for his offensive mind, but how do you grade his play calling in the last two years? I'm not seeing the creativity and unpredictability of some of the league's top offensive minds like Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton. Our play calling has looked vanilla and predictable at times. Oh, I I, I would not agree with that. I, I think there is, especially in the red zone, and when you get inside the 10, I think there's a lot of disguising and um, just a lot of innovation that certainly we did not see from past Colts offenses. I think it's very easy to pick out Reid, Shanahan, and Payton and be like, oh, yeah, they're great, like, well, yeah, they are. Um, they also have great talent around them. Um, 
You know, it's not like San Francisco's offense was this juggernaut all year long. So I think there's still some innovation. Um, I would probably grade it a solid B. Um, I think his hands were tied a little bit last year with the quarterback play and um, the injuries at the receiver position and, and, and other skilled groups, which which you have to acknowledge. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't look at Reich and think vanilla. That's that's not the phrase I would use. From Casey with a K, what record would the Colts have to have next season for Ballard and Reich to be on the hot seat? Oh, interesting. Five wins or less? I was going to say six and ten yeah. or, or worse. Yeah, when, when you throw the whole double-digit loss out there, that is kind of a, ugh, that's ugly. Yeah. Um, injuries would obviously factor into some of this, but I would say right around five wins. And there would have to be like a, we do this often in this market, but like IU basketball, like, Cody Zeller's not walking through the door tomorrow. So, like, the long-term view doesn't look great in Bloomington. While the short-term sucks, the long-term doesn't have this crystal-clear answer either. If you were to draft a quarterback in the top ten and they play the final three games of the year and they look great, that might impact how Jim Mercer views it. Yeah. But from a pure win-loss, I'd say right around five. From Brett, with Breeze coming back, kicking the tires on Teddy Bridgewater seems like an absolute must. Thoughts? Uh, I don't qualify it as an absolute must, no. Um, it's something I, I would look into. But, you know, I think there is a legit question of, like, if you're giving – whoever signs Bridgewater, Joey, they're committing to him for, what, a handful of years and with serious money. You got to make sure that, like, there's top 10 potential there, top 15 potential, right. whatever. I think some people are, like, is he that much better than Jacoby? Sure. So – I don't look at it as absolute must at all, um, but it's something that I would look into with a caveat that I'm not sold on the drafted quarterbacks coming out. Uh, from Smooth Smith, what percentage would you give to make the playoffs if Phillip Rivers starts a QB next year? What would their record be? The Phil rumors are really starting to heat up. They are. See Melvin Gordon? Oh, I did, yep. Yeah, this is not just like uh, people randomly throwing things out there. These is like, Pretty well-respected national media people and teammates. Yes, teammate. Um, okay, what would the Colts' record be next year with Rivers? Again, not to cop out. I want to see what the rest of the offseason looks like. You were seven and nine this year with Jacoby. I would think Rivers could get you to nine and seven. I'm not sold on him being this giant, giant improvement, though. I'm not. Um, but again. The quarterback play didn't need to be a whole lot better for you to be just a couple wins better. Uh, what What's the other part of the question? What 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 record will they be? And yeah, uh, what's the percentage to make the playoffs, and what would their record be? Yeah, I'd say uh, fifty. Yeah, fifty percent. But I, I'd call it a coin nine and seven. You're You're a coin flip. Would nine and seven got you in this year? Mm, yeah. What What the Titans finish at? They were the six. Nine and seven. Were they? Yep. Because your Steelers missed it by a game. Mm-hmm. What are the Steelers going to do in the draft? Well, they don't have a first-round pick. They got money to spend? Um, Not really. Yeah. I'd yeah, say running up. back, tight end, offensive line. Yeah, Titans were 9-7. and seven. Uh, Beat the Texans in Week 17 to get in. Okay. 
from Derek. Any good slash funny Jim Mercer anecdotes from over the years, and what do NFL people, you know, other reporters, uh, think of him as an owner? Oh gosh, is this the same guy that asked the Andrew Luck anecdote or something like that? Probably. Derek, a uh, great question. Um, boy, I wish I could get into some of them, but I just I, I can't fully go there. Um, I will say this on Ursay, and I and I know I've mentioned this before, that there's a genuine love and passion for the Colts, this community that I don't think fans should take for granted. Um, you know, I I think he believes in this market. He realizes. How much the fan base means, especially coming to a new market. Like, my dad did not grow up with an NFL team in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're relying on season ticket holders to take a chance on you. And now there is a bit of a turnover in the season ticket, you know, audience that 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 you do have, you know, people into the 30s that did grow up with the Colts here. But even if they did grow up with the Colts here, the Colts sucked. You know, for the first whatever 10ish years, we're not good uh, at all. Um, I think Ursay, for as much as there is the crazy persona, which a lot of it is real, there is a lot of it that, like, he is well-respected around the NFL. And, again, there is a passion and a belief um, that he has in this market and in with players that I think resonates a little bit more than just, I don't know, insert your other owner here that's more of a – tycoon of a entrepreneurial or just sure. a big sort of business aficionado and it's like oh yeah i'm gonna buy an nfl team uh there's a realness to jim ursay that i have seen behind the scenes that is is really real and when the cameras go off just a, just a genuine aspect to him um that i think is uh, i think is awesome I, I think colts fans should be very I don't buy into this, oh, it's Ursay. That's such an Ursay decision. That's a no, I, I think the meddling aspect of things is not this is not Daniel Snyder. Mm-hmm. This is someone that has hired Chris Boward and Frank Reich to really handle ninety to ninety five percent of the moves this organization makes. From Jake, do you think it is significant that Fromm is the only recorded quarterback meeting this offseason? No, I don't. Not at all. I, I don't want to read into quarterback visits. I, I'm sorry. We know the secretive nature that the Chiefs went to with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Did you have you seen the story? I, I Brett Veach, their current GM, basically called Mahomes' agent early on. And was like, "Look, you've said, or maybe the agent expressed to Veach, I'd love to see Patrick come to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid makes a lot of sense." And the and the GM was like, "Hey, um, we love Patrick Mahomes. Let's make Perfect, this a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not tell anyone." So they went on this little secretive behind the scenes mission of, "Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna tell Buffalo that we're trading up to get a receiver, and you make sure that you don't mention, you know, our team's name as a possible trade up candidate to anyone else." And lo and behold, it worked. You know, I've told the story before. It was uh, Jordan Spieth and Ryan Palmer, two golfers, in the New Orleans war room. And they were like, yeah, New Orleans is getting ready to take Patrick Mahomes. You got to be secretive with it. So I, I, I am not going to read into too much of the, the Colts have sat down with these quarterbacks. You got to do your due diligence with all these prospects. From Sam, 
what's more likely to happen? Ballard trades up and drafts a quarterback, or he trades back and acquires more draft capital? As Joey cringes over there, imagining that happening. I mean, it's just like, guys, like, at what point, you know what I mean? You don't get a prize for having the most draft <laughs> capital. I mean. Ah, boy. I, that's a great question, Sam. You know, every philosophical look at Chris Bauer would say trade back. Again, I'm going to cop out and say I need to see the board start to fall. I still believe there's a chance that they trade up. I know that some people might totally disagree with that, but um, we'll see, man. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see Tua's medical report next week. Yeah, true. That's going to be big. Tua in town. Uh, from Jay Cook, do you think the whole keeping Vinatieri was more of a Jim Mercer directive and the GM and coaches had to show a unified front? Mm, I hope not. And I don't think so. Remember Ursay's comments after the week two <laughs> game in Tennessee? Seems like it was the opposite. Oh, my God. He sounded like he was ready to fire, you know, whoever. So I, I don't think so. I just think I think Bauer and Reich made an emotional decision, which is so not their – I just don't think that's them. Mm-hmm. And it cost them. It, it, it absolutely cost them. From Country Boy Eddie, we know how much NBA free agency is affected by the location of the teams. L.A. will always attract more big names than Indiana. But it doesn't seem to be the case as much in the NFL. Why is this? It's a good question. Country Boy Eddie sends in some good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe shorter lifespan in the NFL. Shorter season. You don't have to live here. Yeah, and I mean... Most, so many guys don't live here. Right. And most places, I mean... Really, until you get into November, December, where you only have, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, the NBA is majority of the year is a cold, bad, yeah. I mean, hear me out on this, Joey. If if you hated Indianapolis, which I think is just a godforsaken sin, let's say you live in, you want to live in wherever, L.A. You could theoretically be in L.A. from January 1st, all the way until April 16th, when off-season program starts. You're here for four nights a week for the next eight weeks. You fly to L.A. every Thursday night, and you stay there until Sunday, and you fly back for off-season workouts. Then you go back to L.A. in mid-June to July 28th, whenever training camp starts, and you're in Indy from pretty much August through December. But, I mean... I don't know the days, but I would say you'd spend over half the year in another place. Yeah. NBA, you can't do that. Nope. You can't do that. So I, I would say that that's a reason. I'd say just general lifespan of when you're in the league, when you're playing those games in that city, and also um, lifespan in the NFL in general. From Skoog, and I really like this one, of course, oh, per gosh. usual from oh, Skoog. <laughs> you have $2 million to open a Colts-themed restaurant. What four jerseys are prominently displayed on the walls, and what is the pun-focused name of your signature dish? (laughs) Michael Jeffrey Skoog. One of a kind. That's his name? Uh, I don't know about Jeffrey, but it is Michael Skoog. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Skoog. Uh, I've known Skoog, for those that don't know, since we were young young comrades. He's one of my favorite people. Um, Boy. Okay, the pun-related dish I got to think about. 
jerseys, I'm going with. Uh, I mean, as much as I don't want to put Peyton's jersey in there, you got to. Mm-hmm. You got to. Why pe- don't you? Why don't you want to put him in there? Well, I just don't think he's got a good food name. You know, I'm well, I want like those are separate. I think you got the four jerseys, and then there's one signature that's just. But that's the, the that's the dish, right? Signature dish. Mm-mm. Like you have what four jerseys are prominently displayed on the walls, and what is the pun focused name of your signature dish? Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Um, Tony Saragusa jersey, without a doubt. Playing for the Colts. Oh yeah, the goose, the goose. I mean, that, do I not remember that? That man, I mean, you were young. You were young. Um, do you go with Nelson? Yeah, you got to have a hint of the past, and then right, the right. For those Sarah Goose and Nelson are ready to eat. You know, I want Edge in there, but I really like Bob Sanders too. Nah, uh, you got to think like. Fat guys? Is it Reggie Wayne? Is it uh What about Edge? Okay. Peyton. Peyton Nelson Saragusa for me are locks. Wow. I only got one left. I think you gotta go another current. That's why I wish the Colts had like Gilbert Brown. Just some fat dude that just wants to eat and eat and eat. The Colts have not had enough fat people. <laughs> Seriously. They haven't had enough fullbacks. Didn't think that you going to hear that. On and they, had no, they haven't had enough fat people. That's going up on Instagram. Guys that I want <laughs> to love. Instagram quote: The Colts don't have enough fat. They people. don't. They don't. I want more fat. The Colts look too too good. Um, what'd be your signature dish, man? Sarah Goose's sausage. Some with big Q. Tarek Glenn's meatloaf. That's what you got to get at, you know. You got to get at these. You're big. You're you're big on tying the food to the yeah. larger people. Bob Lamy's lasagna. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you know, something that just Big Q's barbecue. Yeah, Frank Reich's risotto. I mean, you got to have all your dishes tie into right. Tie into that. I got to think about that, Scoob. Per usual. Terrific question. Yeah. How is I, I literally asked him that on Twitter the other day. I was like, I don't know how your mind works. Oh, his brain's one of the more unique things in yeah. America. From Zach, if the draft falls the way Ballard wants, I definitely want him to draft the quarterback of the future. But my interest in Rivers has grown recently, specifically for the development of any wide receiver we draft and of Paris Campbell. Jacoby hardly throws downfield and takes shots deep. What are your thoughts? Well, you know what? That's that's interesting. I would say that thinking is in the minority. Um I think Rivers is an upgrade. Do I think he's a significant upgrade? I, I'm torn on that. If you look at the yards after catch, yards per attempt, and just the avoid the, the avoidance of sacks, Joey. I know I mentioned that last year, or last podcast. Rivers had a smaller sack percentage than Jacoby. He gets the ball out so much quick. Everything is quicker rhythm, which then the byproduct of that is, again, getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers they've got to go make it post catch so I do agree with 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 some of that but I just still come back to with Rivers it's just a band-aid solution that I don't think gets you out of quarterback purgatory I don't and I just don't love that slight upgrade maybe but is it enough to really say boy 11 and 5 the next two years that he's here Super Bowl run and then what yeah. 
from Gino, do the Colts really need another short-term quarterback? Jacoby isn't the answer, but he already has his uh, rapport and knowledge. Colts need skilled players and playmakers. Joey, hear me out on this, okay? Hmm? Do you think there's a section of the fan base that would rather see Jacoby start next year than Rivers? Yes. Because of age? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't sit here and like look at those people and think they're idiots at all. I'm a big when when you don't have the answer that can lead to a deep playoff run, I'm all for looking into tapping into the potential. And that's why I was a I, I was a proponent of Chad Kelly dressing late in the year. What what the hell are you gonna find out in Brian Hoyer? Yeah. Come on. Give me a little bit of potential when the season means absolutely nothing at that point of the year. Got to walk the company line. You know, yeah. we're still fighting to every down. Stop and then, that. Da, da, da. Stop uh, from Thomas, a time machine can make Peyton 22 again. What wouldn't you be willing to offer for him? I, I, all from the Salesforce Tower. <laughs> what does he want? I mean, IMS? Does it, does it change? Okay, and this is going to be a hot take. Can oh everybody God. freak Here out? Here we go. Hopefully people aren't listening. <laughs> um, does it change your mind at all with how the NFL is now? Oh, that, 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 that's that's not the hottest take. Like, you're um, seeing so many of these guys, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you out. Um, no, I, I think Peyton's just too rare of a breed. I think he's... Um, I mean, he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah. Just so, playing devil's advocate here, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I I appreciate that. You know I do. It is interesting. Like, who is the young pocket passer? Because I think there are a lot of young quarterbacks that are very intriguing in this league. Who is that, like, classic Manning, Brady, Breeze under the age of 27? I can't think of him. Unless I'm totally missing somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah. The classic quarterback has shifted now. Yeah, yeah. From Tyler Thompson, what's your ideal draft in order, position-wise? Here's mine. 13, Jordan Love. 34, wide receiver, either Justin Jefferson. I like that. Or uh, Ayuki, Ayuk from uh, Arizona State. Uh, And then 44, who'd be calling me? Then 44, uh, tight end slash edge slash offensive tackle. Really best player available. Yeah, I, I probably fall in that. It kind of goes off our, our earlier question, quarterback, receiver, slash trench. I don't know if I'd go tight end there. Although if Cole Komet was there, I, oof, man, I might, I might I might take that. Um, but I'd probably go trench. Okay. Oh, he does say, though, this is assuming we sign a three tackle and free age, a three technique and uh, free agency, someone like Malik Collins or Javon Hargrave from Pittsburgh. What? Yeah, and I, I would still go trench. And, and that could be edge. On the defensive line, or offensive tackle. Okay, you got that little dangling carrot of AC from Cold Stog. Can we get a Quentin Nelson impression from Joey? Oh, oof! You got one? Um, it's a brief one. It's 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 a small one. It's it's from that soundbite. Um, <clears throat> Do you want me to cue you up at all? Or you got It's from that soundbite when he was mic'd up. Oh yeah. yeah when yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've done this. Where he was on the sideline, he was just like, be smart, but don't do anything stupid. Hey, guys, don't do anything stupid. I'm Big Q. Be sure to listen, subscribe. 
And don't do anything stupid. <laughs> it's just, that was good. It's just uh, deep, a little bit of a lisp, yeah. and uh, that's perfect. Meathead. That's perfect. <laughs> and uh, like a little bit of energy in the huddle. Right. Just, 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 just a little just bit. Just a tad. Um, let's see. From Danny, would you give Devin Funches another go round? I pro. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, this is kind of one of your things this offseason. You've been kind of in on this. Yeah, I, I probably would. And again, I say that because look at the receiver free agents, man. If you're not getting Amari Cooper, who are you getting? So I would be willing to give it a chance, a short-term chance, just because the options are not great. Um, now, there's several reasons why I understand people sit on the other side of it, and one of those being, does Seven Funches want to come back? It goes back to our earlier question of Andrew Luck being the ultimate recruiting chip. I think that's very fair. So I probably would, Joey. From Marcus, what moves do you think the Colts will make a tight end with Ebron likely gone? I've, I've mentioned the draft, but I will say free agency offers some nice potential at the tight end position. But I like kind of a fourth-ish round pick at tight end, more the receiving background. That's the route that I would go. From Eric, when's this going to change? When's this going to change from Kevin's corner to Joey's corner? I believe you're supposed to give your biggest star top billing. Right? Guys. God, maybe I should. I got Come my brother on, bitching about me not changing my profile picture. I probably need to change the title. Yeah, yeah, no, we're uh, we're waiting on that. That's you know, and they do have the thing now, Kevin. That's the hashtag. Like when you change your profile picture, you can choose to send out a tweet with it. That says hashtag new profile. Oh, can pic. you really? So I might that need can, to do that. That can alert people. It's it's yeah. a thing to where at least people know. Hell, you can pin it to the top of your page for a little bit if you need right. to. If we change the name to Kevin and Joey's Corner, I I feel like we'd have Child Protective Services on us immediately. Uh, yeah. That just sounds. That's true. That's I didn't even think about that. I, I know I've said it for numerous podcasts, and Joey has many more followers than I do, so I know everyone is following Joey, but it is a must-follow. Um, what else do we need to plug? Podcast? Espresso? Yeah, I don't get it. You know. It's all good. It's it's all good. I'm just I'm just glad to be here. Uh, from Matt, uh, how would you feel if the Colts went with a player like Tristan Wirfs, tackle from Iowa, assuming Costanzo doesn't retire? Yeah, the question doesn't retire. Yeah, hmm. does well, not retire. Yeah, I don't know about taking a tackle. Really, at 13. just covering Wirfs is he a left tackle? I think that seems to be a question. That's that's a bit of a bit of a question there, um, for him projecting at the next level. Costanzo's coming back. I don't know if you're taking a tackle at 13. Yeah. From Clayton Clifford, do you see a world where Jacoby, a free agent quarterback, Rivers, and a rookie quarterback are on the final roster? Boy, that's, a, that's a lot invested in quarterback. A lot. A lot. Uh, i give it a 15% chance. Yeah. From Scott. Less than that, 8%. From Scott Johnson, I uh, love the content every week. I'm a New Yorker who loved Eric Dickerson. Became a lifelong Colts fan. I'm not in the Indy area. Only been there once. Uh, how would you describe the Colts fan base? Hmm. It's a good question. To a degree, aren't all fan bases the same? Like, I get it. You probably have some more diehards, again, in NFL cities that are a little bit richer in their tradition and their history just because they've grown up with that, especially the outdoor stadiums. Like if, if we had an outdoor stadium here, how many fans would go? I think that would certainly limit it. I think we talk about this podcast, though. It's probably a lot of diehards. I mean, yeah. why else are you listening to this podcast? We, we're idiots that go an hour every week. Like, who the hell wants to do that? But here we are. 
Um, and thank you to everyone that, that's crazy enough to listen. I don't know. Do you have some great take on how you describe Colts fans? No, I mean, I'd say that they, they're a young fan base, relatively speaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? In terms of the longevity of you right. know, I mean, the other franchises. 1984 and, was the move. I mean, that's 35-ish years old. Yeah, um, but I think it's one that's that's really passionate. And obviously, I mean, it's talked about enough that Indiana's a basketball state. We used to be all about the Pacers and racing and everything. And now, I mean, the Colts by far. For sure. To, I mean, just totally dwarf, dwarf those. So, yes. um, young, growing, and mm-hmm. uh, they do care about their squad. Yeah, I, I don't have some hot take central on, like, New Yorkers or Philly fans. I don't think they're absurd in any way. But, look, they're passionate. There are passionate people in every fan base. Yep. You just got to find them. From Conrad, or Conroy, who gets into the ring of honor first, Bob Sanders or Andrew Luck? Wow. That's a good one. Sanders, easily. Yeah. Ursay loves him some luck, dude. I know, but it's just till it's it's still too soon. Who's next? Mathis? Yeah. Yeah. I um and this might turn people off the podcast, they might never listen again. The people that think Andrew Luck's a Hall of Famer, that's one of the funnier statements I've ever heard. He's not. Not anywhere close. I'm sorry. Andrew Luck was a really good quarterback. Yep. Really good quarterback. Hall of Famer? Hall of Fame. Canton, gold jacket, bust. All of it. Longevity has got to be an element, especially at the quarterback position. I think Andrew Luck is a damn good quarterback. Had the potential to one day be a Hall of Famer. I don't want to get too far into this, but, I mean, I I see people mention that. I'm just like, what? No. No way. I'm sorry. Not one single MVP vote in eight years. Mm -hmm. Like... Russell Wilson has accomplished more of a Hall of Fame resume at this point in his career than Andrew Luck. Oh, that's really going <laughs> to... The YouTube comments are going to I know. freak I, out on that one. I know we're deep into it, and people say, and I get it, Wilson walked into a, a, a nice situation, but playoff success and wins, that means a lot at quarterback. That's why we're debating Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer on both sides of it. He's a 500 quarterback, yet he has these two Super Bowls. Yep. But Eli Manning never had an MVP vote. Mm-hmm. Longevity, last name, all that stuff. Am I going to regret saying that? Eh, you know. It's the offseason. Who cares? I agree with, yeah, I agree with you. So, well, you know, I'm in your corner. Literally in the corner. Uh, that one guy, if Ballard sticks to his <laughs> trench first mentality and does not neglect the quarterback position, or and does neglect the quarterback position in the draft, does it immediately put himself and or Reich on the hot seat this year? Uh, that's probably a bit aggressive to say. Um. But, man, they'd be putting a lot of their eggs into the Brissett chad Kelly basket, whatever basket, or if they made another move in free agency. So, yeah, that is a little bit aggressive. But I will say, if all of a sudden you couple that with a poor record, then that seed is is hot. But to automatically say it puts them on the hot seat, I can't go there. Uh, from... Paydirt18, I was highly impressed with Jordan Love in his bowl game. Do you attribute his lower numbers last year with a lack of weapons at Utah State? He seems like he has the ability to make all the throws and is a great athlete. Yeah, I, I do. What are you, uh, nine new starters, ten new starters on mm-hmm. offense? Something absurd. New coaching staff? Yeah. You know, I think if you were to – if Jordan Love had the junior season, his senior season, 
I mean, it'd be two totally different kind of themes that, that we're going with. I think he'd be a consensus top five, top ten QB, but he did lose a ton of personnel. I mean, that's a that's a and uh, Joey, you're you're replacing this personnel with Utah State talent. You're not replacing it with, you know, what Joe Burrow walks into at LSU. Right. Yeah. So bunch of five stars. Right. Last one. Or were you done? Yeah, I was done. Last one here that I got uh, from Ben. Who's the surprise cut this year? Ooh. God, that's another thing I'm going to cop out on and say I need to see the offseason play out. Cop out corner. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I always say I cop out, then I give you kind of an answer. Is Quincy considered a surprise or no? At this point, I would say no. I mean, nobody on offense. Uh, maybe like a Jordan Wilkins if you were to draft a running back. I'm trying to give you something here, and, and I like Wilkins. Um... Like, I couldn't see Desir means too much. Don't have enough depth at corner. Anthony Walker means too much to you. I I don't I, I don't know, man. D-line, Hunt, would that be one? That's one somebody. Marcus Hunt? Yeah, I mean, is, is that considered a surprise? Yeah. I, I don't know. Who knows? All right, I got a couple more here. I know we're running long, but I just yeah. want to throw these in here. Can I part of myself? Why haven't we heard about Greg Olson as a fit recently for the Ebron list Colts? He's 34. Too old for me. Uh, Daniel Donahue wants to talk about Sammy Watkins if he becomes available. Mm. Did he mention retirement? I didn't see that, but he could have. I thought he mentioned that around the, dra- or around the Super Bowl. I wanted Watkins a few years ago. Corey asked if I'll be at the draft in Vegas. I will not. I try to avoid Vegas at all costs. I think I mentioned this before. I the the draft is not a great media event. It's not right. It's just not. You're there, and then you're like, oh wait, I want to fly back for second and third round. I need to hear Ballard Reich. Those sorts of things. Joe, love the show, Kevin. Enjoy your stuff. So I know you're against the Philip Rivers idea, but I see him as the best chance to win now and also develop at the same time with the rookie pick at 13 or 34. Trying to do both is the best idea in my eyes because Ursay wants a winner. Joey, I think there's a lot of validity to what Joe just said. Okay. If you can do both and you believe that Rivers can, again, improve you in the here and now by multiple games, I can hear you out on that, Joe. I can. Now, are you limiting some of your needs elsewhere? Have you taken care of receiver enough? Have you taken care of, you know, defensive line, offensive tackle? And I know quarterback is kind of in its own, but still. Um, that is, that is a, uh, that is, I think, a route that the Colts might explore. And if you sign Rivers, you have to still address quarterback in the draft. That is an absolute must. Jason says, when is Archie going to be fired? Uh, not this year. Fred Glass is retiring, unfortunately. Um, and if people want to hear me rant about Archie, listen to JMV tomorrow from 4 to 7, <laughs> 3 to 6. Eric, so. not football related. What are some good places, areas to live in the Indy area? I'm wanting to move down there, but unfamiliar with the area. Okay. I like this. Um, Joey and I grew up on two different parts of town. North side for me, south side for Joey. I love both parts. Um, I currently live kind of Butler, Tarkington, South Broad Ripple-ish area. Um, I think it's a great area. More of a neighborhood feel to it. Older homes. And I love downtown. 
which I know you live downtown. I do. I live downtown, um, fairly close, really close uh, to the circle here. I walk to work every day. Not going to get my exact location, obviously, um, but it's a great spot. There's some. You got to do a little bit of research. Like you really got to dig to find the affordable, exactly good stuff, uh, and not pay out the wazoo. But DM me, Eric, and I'll and uh, l- let me sure. know without with how much information that you want to share, and I'll um I'll give you a little bit more. I, I used to live in Fountain Square, nice, which is uh just southeast or um yeah southeast of downtown. I love that area. Um, Rick comments, I live on the south side, Southport, and we love it. Yep, that's where I used to live. Grew up in this area, Rick mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, the national media is saying that Rivers is a perfect fit. Well, I see. How is it a great fit for Rivers? How good did this story come to light? Um, I think it's honestly just saying um, they made the connections. The connections are Sirianni and Reich. Um, that, that's why. That mm-hmm. is the connection. Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, love Philip Rivers. I cannot express that enough. They think extremely, extremely highly of him. And that's why I've mentioned this. The move to me, Joey, it sounds more Reich-like than Ballard-like. Honestly. We'll see how it all plays out, but that is why the whispers are there. It, it, it's the connection. I don't think it's so much of what Ballard is saying publicly or behind the scenes, I guess, more so. Um, but yeah, that's why. All right, man. Uh, we're getting ready for the combine. We're getting ready for the combine, and let's do mention beers with Bowen. We nice. have a yeah, yeah. date and a location. April sixteenth. That is a Thursday. Joey Molinero has picked that date because he is a genius and is an extremely talented human being, and I love it. April sixteenth at the oldest bar in Indianapolis, the Slippery Noodle. So here's here's let me get my why I told you and our bosses why we should why I think that yeah. we should do it on Thursday. So the listeners, we've done it a couple nights. I think we've done it on a Monday. I think we've done it on a Tuesday. Great turnouts. First two were awesome. Loved them. You guys are the best. But I was thinking, how much more likely are people, especially with no Pacers uh, playoff, like you said, still a week out from the draft, how much more likely are people on a Thursday night to say, yeah, right in the middle of downtown, Thursday night, let's go grab a beer or two and talk some Colts. I think they are. We hope to see you out there. It's going to be awesome. That was a great pitch by Joey Molinaro. He's right. Everyone wants to have one beer on a Thursday. You're thirsty. Right? Come on. And it's, go. Be, you know, it's springtime. Slippery Noodle's a great spot just south of downtown, Meridian and South Street. Uh, we hope to see you there. 6.30 to 7.30 is usually the times that we shoot for on that, but look for more information as we move along. But, again, that will be the Thursday before the draft, April 16th. He's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you next week from the Combine. Thanks for listening to Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.